1: Hello and welcome to another edition of Little Gold Men pre-Oscar week. We are the award season podcast from Vanity Fair and Panoply and we are releasing a new episode every day this week as we lead up to the big night. Today is Wednesday so we're here to talk about the live action shorts and have a whole bunch of predictions. I'm here with
2: Vanity Fair's film critic
1: Richard Lawson. Hello. And calling in from Los Angeles is Vanity Fair's digital director Mike Hogan. Hey guys. Mike are you already wearing your tux? Are you that ready?
2: Uh, if you knew what I was wearing right now, so far from a tux, that's why we're not we're not video skyping.
0: Mike is being feted tonight at the Young Hollywood Party. So. Oh, indeed. Oh,
2: yeah. It's in my honor. Actually, I'm so young.
1: We've uh, we've temporarily lost Joanna, but she's not down for the week. Just don't anybody worry. So yeah, we're gonna get into a lot of predictions for a lot of the categories that can make or break your Oscar ballot. But first, we watched once again, all of the short films. And today we're going to be talking about the live action ones, which all of them are in foreign languages. And I got to say, I found some of them a little baffling and I might need you guys to talk me through them. (laughs) I would start pronouncing some of them, but uh, the first two are in French and I think I would do a terrible job of them. But yeah, were there any highlights from these uh, shorts for you guys? Anything that stands out obviously as a potential winner?
0: I don't know. I kinda was not impressed with the crop. To <laughs> I be honest. mean
1: neither. Uh,
0: there's a Danish one called Silent Nights mm-hmm. that I thought was genuinely bad. Yeah. And A little racism. I started
1: maybe. thinking yeah. that maybe if it had been a feature and it had time to like sure. actually tell its story, it it been, a cause, little because a lot happens in that movie and it's like twenty five <laughs> minutes long.
0: I mean, yeah, I mean, there is like you know issues with immigrants, racism, a mother dies. It's just like a lot. Infidelity. For, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Infidelity. <laughs> yeah. Um, actually, somebody pointed Malaria. out that That, that surprise, I am secretly married was kind of a theme for a lot of the <laughs> shorts this year. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, actually, my least favorite one. Even more unfavorite than Silent Nights was the enemy interior, however you say that, which actually is leading the pack in Gold Derby, and I do not understand it. It reminded me of Jon Stewart's directorial debut and not in a good way. Oh,
1: like the interrogation
2: oh, scene? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's basically a 30-minute a one-act play that I found just, to be, you know, maybe I've just seen too many of these things, but I'm like, it's the uh, immigration officer interrogating a... Uh, Algerian born but French living guy. And it just, I was just like, I don't know. This is just too didactic and sort of predictable or something for me.
1: It was some pretty broad strokes.
2: Yeah. And in a year when there are some really great documentaries that expose unimagined aspects of, you know, immigration crisis affecting the Middle East and Europe, I just was like, ugh, this is just too ham fisted. I didn't mind the crazy one about the lady who waves the flag at the train every day.
1: I think that's the only one that I genuinely liked. Like I enjoyed watching it. I thought it had a good vibe to it. It, it, had it was cinematic silly.
0: vision. Yeah it, yeah, it
1: was very well shot as beautiful in this Swiss village. Um, I mean, yeah. it's it's slight, but in a short film, that might not be a bad thing.
2: Well, and I thought Time Code was, uh, was very clever. This is the one about two, I guess, parking lot attendants who start dancing in the uh, security cameras for one another's benefit.
1: Yeah. And it is, it's much more charming and innocent than that makes it sound.
2: <laughs> yeah. Well, right, right, right. It's, it's like kind of a they're finding a little moment of exuberance in their dreary 12 hour a day lives. Yeah. yeah. Um, and it's clever. And it's a clever use of camera technology and surveillance technology that surrounds us all. And, and does kind of reclaim a little bit of humanity from a sort of soul crushing environment. And it was short. So that had that benefit. I actually quite liked Sing. I was actually moved by Sing or something, not moved by it, but I thought it was really clever and, and funny.
0: I wanted to ask you guys about this one because... So it's about um, a girl who starts at a new school in Budapest uh, in Hungary, and um, they have a really well-regarded choir. And she joins it, and then the teacher sort of singles her out for not being a great singer. And it's like, just pretend to sing, don't actually sing. And then it becomes this kind of like... Advocacy thing where the kids kind of rallied together and, you know, like and
1: labor organizing.
0: And so, you know, I know that that Hungary's prime minister is viewed as pretty kind of despotic and had had a really really strict policy about refugees crossing through Hungary. So I'm wondering there must be some sort of political allegory. This is what I right? thought.
1: Like I was like I watched yeah. this movie and I was like you know these kids are cute and good for them for bringing together, but it felt like it had to be an allegory that I wasn't getting.
0: Yeah, which did is you get what-
1: the allegory, Mike? <laughs> Uh,
2: I hadn't even thought about an allegory. I don't know. I actually just thought it was a clever example of a bunch of kids, you know, beating adults yeah. <laughs> uh, at yeah. their own game and showing up their hypocrisy, which I enjoy. And I thought it was just well made. It seemed to be kind of like the most deftly filmed, mm-hmm. possibly, mm-hmm. of all of them. And anytime you can get kids to act convincingly, I think you deserve a lot of credit. Yeah. But yeah. I got to say, also, you know, we launched our interactive ballot. And I was just this morning flipping through, you know, making my votes. And you can see how many people have voted for things. And it's still early days. There's only a few hundred votes for a lot of things. But I saw Sing leading. And I don't know if that's because the people who made Sing figured out that our ballot is there and you can pack it or if people really like it or what's going on. But it got me thinking, hmm, maybe this is, uh, you know, it's worth thinking about this film. But I I did like it. I liked it and I feel like it's emotionally satisfying because the kids, you know, the kids win. Not to spoil it, but yeah. I just did spoil it. The well,
0: kids win. And speaking of winning, I mean, I think that, you know, in terms of predicting Oscar things for this category, I mean, sing, you know, that's a catchy title. Mm-hmm. People and like it is singing. The
1: same title as a movie that opened in December. <laughs> that's exactly right. Um, it's yeah. about
0: cute kids, which people like. I believe in our predictions, we have La Femme et la tjv or whatever the, the train one
1: which i'm just um, gonna i wrote that and i was just like i yeah. liked it best. no but i
0: and i but i i think something about that i you know if there is a political allegory to sing i wonder how many people would get it whereas the tgv one the, the train one is much more accessible in its themes you know if sing has a, a deeper you know message to it so i don't know i i feel like i agree with your prediction katie that that will win That tgv will win. yeah
1: mike what do you think
2: I'm going to vote for Singh and I could be wrong, but it has to me like a, uh, and I don't vote in the, for the Oscars, by the way, folks, but in my little (laughs) predictions thing, but I think it has that kind of almost Shirley Jackson lottery.
3: Yeah. Mm -hmm.
2: Not as dark, but it's just fun to see kids involved in a kind of nefarious thing, but it's not that dark. And now that I think about it, of course, the allegory is, you know, a society that presents itself as perfect by silencing members and how you can fight back against that. I mean, that's clearly right. It's not that complicated. Yeah, right. yeah. Yeah.
0: Makes sense to me.
1: Well, I feel like every time I predict short film winners, it's completely shooting in the dark. So <laughs> who knows? But at least we've done our research. You know, well, I feel like. Well, not to most be, be
0: cynical, but there's no Holocaust ones. So <laughs> <laughs>
2: guess, yeah.
1: Well. yeah, you got to go back to the doc <laughs> shorts. Yeah, we talked yeah. about those on Monday.
2: <laughs> I mean, I just want to go back and just talk for a second about documentary shorts because on Gold Derby, Extremis is way out in front. We talked really? about this. Really? Yeah, and I just don't get it. And on our um, thing, the White Helmets is way out in front, maybe because people listen to your great interview, Katie. (laughs) Yeah, there we go. With the filmmakers. But I think this is the place where you're going to be able to make up the most points in your Oscar pool if you do an Oscar pool. And let's face it, if you're listening to this podcast, you're presumably doing an Oscar pool.
1: Yeah, you're leaving money on the table. All of our predictions are correct, obviously.
2: Because almost everything else is basically, the only other thing I can think of that's up in the air... Like, really up in the air. I mean, best actors up in the air in a, in a way. I think it is quite up in the air. I think Mahershala Ali is potentially vulnerable. The only other thing I can think of is like sound editing, like, will La La Land get upset in sound editing? It seems like almost everything else is just locked.
1: Well, that actually leads us into our predictions segment for the day, because we're going to start with screenplays, which I think is another category where there's some interesting things up for grabs. That's true. So for this, batch to predictions, we're doing screenplays, the foreign documentary and animated films, and then Best Supporting Actor and Supporting Actress. But let's start with screenplay, where, Mike, I think you were emailing us over the weekend, kind of looking at the battle between Manchester by the Sea and La La Land in the original screenplay category.
2: Yeah, yeah.
1: Uh, so what are you thinking at this point?
2: I do think it's going to be Manchester. Um, it seems like Manchester's way out in front. And my understanding is that the La La Land team is already telling itself, like, you know, it's good for America for, like, other people to win other things. So I think <laughs> I think everyone's preparing for Lonergan to win. This is his third nomination. He's also nominated for Best Director, so he's been nominated four times for Oscars. But this is his third screenplay nomination. He's a, you know, veteran playwright, filmmaker, And I feel like this film is so heavily rooted in the script. And to me, it's a really, really beautifully done script. And even some of the criticisms I've heard about the film, which is like, oh, it's too cold. It's too controlled. The actors don't have enough room to move around. First of all, two of them got nominated for Oscars, so they can't complain. (laughs) And if it's cold, that's thematically, that plays right into the theme, right? It's a story about crushing soul paralyzing loss in uh new england
1: actually three of the actors got nominated now that i just think about lucas hedges thank you three lucas hedges
2: too um and now damien chazelle wrote a wonderful script but he's gonna get plenty of oscars and i think that you know i don't know that anyone cares but there's some bit of intrigue around the fact that i believe damien chazelle's ex-wife may have had some hand in in writing this script um
1: i didn't heard this
2: yeah, and so she she's been given a, an executive producer credit, but there's some little bit of intrigue there. If you haven't heard it, I don't think it's spread to the point where it's affecting votes. But um Who knows though? Yeah. Wow.
0: Yeah. And I think with the, the Lonergan win, well, if we're going to predict that win, which I think we are, you know, that's kind of like his a tourist prize. You know, they're like, we love this movie here. This is the cerebral writing award. You know, it yes. makes sense that that's kind of how the Academy would think. And I think that, you know, there's certainly there is a history of, you know, Quentin Tarantino, for example, has won screenplay Oscars, but not director. There is a history of kind of these beloved auteurs picking up wins in screenplay rather than elsewhere you know and i think the thing about manchester script is that it's spare in its way but it's also um it's really specific and it's really carefully calibrated and it's also funny so it's just yeah. it's it's a really strong piece of work and i think that with la la land there are many many things to sort of recognize and remember about that film and I don't feel like the dialogue is really I know that screenplays are more than dialogue yeah certainly they are but I don't know I feel like Manchester is probably a safe bet.
1: well and Lonergan is so regarded as a as a screenwriter already you know yeah. he was nominated for writing gangs of New York because he works in other people's movies so yeah. I think that's a really easy yeah. spot to reward Manchester which at this point we all feel pretty certain it's not going to win Best Picture whereas La La Land almost certainly
2: is mm-hmm. Now the only thing I mean you know it's po- first of all I think it's interesting that there in both cases you've got a right director nominated, you know. And so in some ways it feels fair in that King Solomon way to just split it and give, you know, Chazelle director and Lonergan writer. Kind of theory that, as Richard suggests, that like Chazelle is kind of leading with being an amazing director. Lonergan's kind of leading with being an amazing writer. But I do think there's a chance that people will just be like La La Land is great and just go down the line. You know, it's like mm-hmm. when you're voting and you just mm-hmm. hit all the Democrats that you Republicans, as the case may be, that you never heard of for like judges and stuff. But, so, original but, screenplay. but screenplay is a real big category. That, yeah. That's what I think about sound editing. That's why I feel like La La Land you know, starts to get a real advantage in those lower categories because people are just like, oh, La La Land's great. La La Land's great.
1: But yeah, screenplay is historically, especially original screenplay, is historically a place where kind of the outliers, the weird movies really get a chance. So I I feel like Manchester will get extra scrutiny there.
0: I was talking with somebody this past weekend about Oscar voting and his parents are in the Academy. And he said that he was told that in certain categories, like as few as 500 people vote. So, because they just they'll, they'll submit for you know best picture, best actor, best yeah, actress, and, then, and just, then just kind of ignore everything else. So votes really do matter there. So I wow. feel like if there are people who are just doing that down the line thing, it really could affect you know the outcomes. But I don't know. Man,
1: yeah, this is like America. Like vote, everybody. You have God. such power yeah. in your hands.
2: But I think that's especially for things like you know if it's if you're not an animated person, if you're not a shorts person, I think people are pretty good about opting out in categories where they haven't had a chance to watch the movies and they really don't have a clue. Right. So I think that's more likely than screenplay where everybody has obviously watched these top you know, eight movies that are yeah. or, or nine movies that are nominated for uh, Best Picture. But I don't yeah. know. All
1: right, so let's talk about adapted screenplay where I think maybe we would all like for Moonlight to win. I don't know. What's Gold Derby say, Mike? I'm worrying now that that's not as likely as I was hoping it would
2: be. No, I, th- I think it's now after the WGA and the various other awards. I think it's considered pretty much a slam dunk for Moonlight.
0: And again, an opportunity to award Barry Jenkins something without giving him best director. But, you know, if that is indeed the way the Academy thinks, which who knows, maybe it's not. But yeah, I feel like Moonlight is a safe because I, you know, um, there is some question about it's a, adapted status because it won original screenplay at the WGAs.
1: yeah I don't understand right. wh- why that so is because it was based on an unproduced play that the WGA decided it was original
0: yeah I think that's what it is and then in this case no and so you know I spoke with a screenwriter who does a lot of adaptations mm. and she sort of of worried. she was like it really blurs the line in terms of what the screenwriter who adapts it to work is actually doing which is mm. a lot more than maybe people give it credit for yeah anyway despite that mini controversy I would be thrilled if it won. It would be nice to see Barry Jenkins up on stage speaking. And I think it will happen.
2: Yeah. And Arrival won, you know, the WGA, I guess, for Adapted. But I, I don't get the sense that people think that Arrival is going to do it here. A friend of mine said to me, Denis Villeneuve is like uh, M. Night Shyamalan, but good.
3: You know, <laughs> if you
2: think about all of his movies. So it's a very good screenplay. It's very creative. It's very original. But I think this will be an opportunity to reward Moonlight. I mean, Lion is is hanging in there, too. People love Lion, and it's got Harvey, but I would be really surprised if Moonlight didn't win this.
1: All right, good. We can all rest easy on that one. So we move on to Animated Feature, where I am a little delinquent. I have seen three of these nominees.
2: God, I was counting on you guys. to, to <laughs> tell me I mean, here.
1: predictably, it's the like the big American releases I've seen. I've seen Kubo and the Two Strings, Moana, and Zootopia. The other two nominees are My Life as a Zucchini, which has to be the best title mm-hmm. in this year's Oscar race, and The Red Turtle. Richard, have you seen either of those two?
0: I've seen The Red Turtle. Which I liked. Um I've not seen my life as a zucchini because I just wasn't even aware it existed. Yeah. And then it was one of those things where it got nominated and I was like, What the heck is that? Yeah. So I, I'm remiss. I've fallen down on my duty, but I don't think that, that movie's gonna win. So. No,
1: I feel like this is pretty well marked for Zootopia
0: which I, is I by love far... I so. Yeah, I
1: mean, that movie was incredibly critically acclaimed. Like, it's not just really good for a Disney animated it movie. It almost like, made it
0: my top ten list. Yeah,
1: it, people really loved it. And mm-hmm. I think, you know, even though Moana is maybe more recent from the same studio and Kubo comes from Laika, which is, you know, makes these really elegant yeah. animated movies that don't look like anything else. I just, I feel
0: like Zootopia is a win we can feel good about. And it also has a political angle to it. Mm-hmm. I mean, I guess you could argue that the other ones do too, but... Yeah, um, I mean,
1: Zootopia is very explicitly about, like, prejudice yeah. and... Like, and in,
0: in, a, in a way that. Um, is, you know, I had to write about the movie uh, for the little brochure at the New York Film Critics mm-hmm. Circle dinner, because it won Best Animated Feature there. And, you know, it's surprisingly complicated in its politics. Yeah, um, It's not saying one thing, it's saying several things at once. And I think that's great. And it's beautiful to look at. The voice performances are great and spirited and fun. And it's really, it's a cute, I don't know, I just think it has the kind of, it's the whole package.
1: It's about someone sowing fear in a population in order to gain political power. You yeah. can't Think of any modern resonance for that at all? Yeah, <laughs>
0: right. <laughs> I like in in um in a, in the description. I think you, did you write this category for our for our predictions maybe. post or maybe no. uh, the, the wokest children's film of 2016? <laughs> I think that's great. Maybe that was Hil- uh, Hillary. But uh, that's
2: gotta be that's very Hillary. Yeah. yeah. What do you think, Mike? Do you think
1: it's All's Utopia?
2: Yeah, I'm going to have to take your word on this. The only one I've even looked at is Kubo, which I I just sorry, I'm just waiting to have kids to watch all the animated movies released <laughs> in the past 25 years.
1: I uh I watched Utopia not long after I had my child, but he was uh, he was too young to pay attention next year (laughs) um all right so best documentary which uh, is a really interesting crop of films Uh, we interviewed roger ross williams earlier this week he's the director of life animated and uh,
2: and that movie's so good uh,
1: yeah so you just watched that
2: yeah yeah Yeah.
1: it's far less like you know capital t topical than the other films um fire at sea being about refugees and then the other three kind of dealing with black identity in the u.s in one way or another but it is a long so there are four african-american directors in this category which is Really incredible, and the other person is uh, Italian, the director of Fire at Sea. So that's kind of a remarkable record that no one's really talking about.
0: But I feel
1: like the buzz for this has been for OJ Made in America the whole time, unless people get bent out of the shape about it being television.
0: No, that hasn't seemed to stop like literally any other voting body. You yeah. Know? So I, I feel like it yeah. won't. It won't affect it here.
2: Yeah, that's what I'm hearing too. No one cares, uh, <laughs> and I think it's just going to get nominated. Somebody said. Somebody said, also, people are probably confused and think it's the FX show, and they're just like, oh, that was good. Sarah Um, Paulson, yeah.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I mean, to be honest, I've made that mistake.
2: (laughs) But yeah, I mean, it does seem like that's just a slam dunk, which is great because it's absolutely incredible and and brilliant on 100 different levels. But life animated is worth a watch you know it's a very interesting thing but you know we've had your great interview with the director
0: yeah and I just want to stump a little bit for fire at sea which I you know mm-hmm. I, I've already talked about when we spoke about um, documentary shorts but like it's you know and I actually ended up spending kind of an afternoon with the director at one of these luncheon things and he just kind of glommed onto me and I to him and he's really just a smart interesting guy the film is beautiful it's not gonna win but it's cool that it's there and um, I would urge people to see I mean all of these are well worth seeing there's not one kind of forgettable toss away one no in no this it's list. a really good list. i am not your negro is really a fascinating look at james baldwin and his writing and you know race in america as is 13th uh, which is on netflix so that's really accessible
2: yeah and, and i'm not your negro just opened and so a lot of people have been seeing that i'm yeah. and i've been getting text messages from people being like this movie is amazing you know so yeah. it's uh it is a good crop.
0: Yeah, yeah. I'm, yeah, and it's all feels. I mean, really relevant to right mm-hmm. now. So,
1: yeah. But what better way to celebrate the fact that we all spent 18 hours watching OJ Simpson related content than to uh, give an Oscar to
0: OJ? May- yeah. well, yeah. between <laughs>
1: this and the mini series. Like yeah, I mean, 18 hours. The, yeah, it's
0: a lot of OJ. And okay, we'll just give it the award and, and then we'll be done with it.
1: Yeah. Well, the fact that there was that much content and yet OJ made America still makes it feel really relevant and new. It was incredible. Uh, yeah, because yeah. I
0: mean, I you know I watched the documentary not too long after I watched the mini the, mm-hmm. the, the show, the scripted show, the Um, Yeah. And I was like, oh, I'm still engaged. It's just a different perspective on this thing. And it was, you know, so that's a testament to its power.
1: Okay, last category of predictions for films. uh, Before we get on to the actors, we have foreign language film, which, again, I'm a delinquent here. I'm going to rely on Richard to tell me uh, what is a Tony Erdman
0: Tony Erdmann is a German film by a filmmaker named Maren Ade that premiered at Cannes, and it was quite a sensation among mm-hmm. critics. Uh, it didn't
1: win the Palme d'Or, but everyone thought it should have.
0: Yeah, well, so they do this weird thing. at Cannes where they bring people back, and it's like, oh, they're going to win something. Mm-hmm. And they brought her back, and she didn't win anything, which is, interesting. Seems, yeah, sort of cruel.
2: That is very French. That's like, yeah. that's like a donald trump secretary of state type situation yeah
0: well and and exactly it's a total like move and it's like a nag or something uh (laughs) you know but anyway it it still you know held esteem uh it was new york film critics circle voted at best foreign film so it's really long it's really awkward about a father and a daughter um they're german but they're mostly in bucharest because she has a job there. kind of learning to deal with each other and and handle a sort of social discomfort while also kind of addressing some eu issues with you know economics in in developing european countries it's great. It's um not my favorite film of the year by any means, but I think it's really beloved and uh, Well it's
1: getting remade starting Kristen re- Wiig and, and, and Jack Nicholson. Nicholson. Yep, so that, that's right to me, I mean, that gives it like a PR boost, but is yeah. that does that mean it's going to win in this category? Because Foreign mm-hmm. language Film can be really weird.
0: I think that given the esteem that Oscar Farhadi has and given the political climate right now. Uh, especially in terms of like he's not coming to the ceremony, right? Because of the, the, mm-hmm. the well, now on hold travel ban. But I think the salesman will win. And I think that's what we have predicted on com. Yeah. Yep. Though Tony Urban could spoil. I think the other three, which are Tana, A Man Called Ove, which I've not seen. Which and, is also
1: nominated for makeup.
0: That's right. And Land of Mine, which is this really devastating movie about German, young German soldiers right after the war cleaning up mines off a beach in Denmark. Um, oh boy. That's really stressful and sad. I think it's between Tony Urban and Salesman. And I think Salesman's going to take yeah.
2: it. A Tony Erdmann is is a weird movie because it, mm-hmm. there's a lot of it that's very delightful even as it's awkward and then there's one scene toward the end that is so unbelievably awkward that i almost i almost died literally died while watching it (laughs) is it
0: it's it's it's, Uh, the party scene The party yeah Yeah. horrible horrible i watched it with like you know my hands over my eyes
2: yeah and i think it's the kind of thing that like can turn you from this movie's great to being like i actually hate
0: this movie it's abusive Uh yeah
2: (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) and then meanwhile the salesman yeah it's got all the political now now Up until recently, I think Tony Erdmann was kind of was still nevertheless sort of in the lead here. But between, you know, the stupid Muslim ban and Oscar Farhadi speaking out very eloquently and simply about it and just, you know, people taking the time to discover all these films. You know, he's won before Farhadi for a separation. And I do think that they'll end up going for this film. It is really, really, really well done. And very relevant or very thought provoking in terms of, you know, a society like Iran, which unfortunately now you're watching it and you think, well, maybe this is a society like ours, you know, so I think it'll go the distance. But this is definitely a two film race.
0: Yeah. And you kind of wonder with the salesman and U.S.-Iranian relations right now, if it winning an Oscar, would that help a little bit? I mean, that's maybe a really naive thing to think, but, you know, at least it's a signaling to certain people over there like, okay, we're we're not all all like this policy. We're not all this thought, you know.
2: Yeah. And I could see Trump just being like, you know, Iran. Uh, in some ways, I don't like them, but they won an Oscar, which is very, very impressive. <laughs> That's
0: true. Yeah, he likes gold things. We they know that. <laughs> just shake it in front of his face. and Shiny. That's look. right. Yeah.
1: He wants an Oscar so bad. Oh, like, sure. Award
0: winning
2: Iran
0: is now our closest ally. Okay? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he likes winners, so.
1: So now for our discussion of Best Supporting Actor and Actress, just a programming note. This was recorded a little bit earlier. We had Joanna with us and Mike here in person, which explains why it sounds so different and why Joanna has magically reappeared.
0: Yeah, we're, we're stitching this all together, guys. Well, Alana <laughs> Miller, our producer, is... Yeah,
1: we're up for Best Editing for next year's Oscars, right?
0: That's exactly right. Me. Yeah. yeah. Congratulations, yeah. Alana. Yeah. And I'm up for Best Animated Short.
1: <laughs> oh, congratulations. Mm-hmm. Trolls too.
0: <laughs> yeah. God, God help me. <laughs>
1: Let's start with actor, which, as we've discussed fairly recently, has a little bit of uncertainty involved, but I'm not sure that any of us truly believe anyone but Mahershala Ali is going to win this. Am I right?
0: You're right. Yeah, I think that for a variety of reasons, maybe chief among them is that it would be a good representational award for that movie, mm-hmm. which it probably would you know, it's not going to win in Best Picture or whatever, you know. So I think that would be a good win for that movie.
1: Yeah. And some of us are concerned that it might be the only award that it wins. So I think for anybody who's kind of going through there and wants to find somewhere to reward Moonlight, this seems like the most likely place, even though it could pick up some statues elsewhere.
0: And he's had a great year. He's in Hidden Figures, another Best Picture nominee. So I can't can't underestimate
1: that. Luke Cage.
0: Luke Cage. Yeah. Which I'm sure a lot of the older Academy voters Um, are watching.
3: He
1: binged it the first
3: weekend.
0: So yeah, I think that's probably a done deal and if it's not him it honestly could go to any of the other four i don't think there's like a second place
1: yeah i mean dev patel won the bafta which kind of put him in the conversation for the first time but that really doesn't seem like enough to make him a clear second place runner
3: this is not an actual putting my chips on anything i'm just gonna like sentimentally say if lucas hedges won he would give the most delightful boisterous oh my gosh, speech. It would be terrible if it happened because Mahershala deserves it. But I love Lucas Hedges and that would be a fun, youthful, I guess, upset. I think it's okay to pull for
2: Lucas Hedges. I'd love to see Shannon go up there and just kind of insult 12 people uh, yeah. <laughs> in a really like weird monotone in shorts on a Hawaiian Yeah, shirt, yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs>
0: yeah. <laughs> on roller skates, yeah. you know. Uh, I will shorts.
1: I will say currently Timothy Hutton holds the record for the youngest Best Supporting Actor winner uh, Wikipedia yeah. again he was, about, like, 18. Really? he was 20 for ordinary people. Oh, for ordinary people. Yeah, so if Lucas had just won, he would break that record. IMDb says only that he was born in 1997, so I'm assuming he's 19 or so. Crazyly, the next youngest person to win supporting actor was George Shakiris, who was 27. So, uh, yeah, young young actors have a really hard time winning Oscars. Wait, that's Bernardo, right? Yeah, for West Side okay. Story. Just making sure. Of course. <laughs> no, I think it's okay to root for Lucas Hedges, and I also think that his career from here is just going to... And it'll be pretty huge. So he's he's doing okay. If Jeff Bridges wins, you know, for a role that I think we all think he's good in, we all like Jeff Bridges. Yeah, uh, I movie. mean, are we going to be upset?
3: Yes, because he already has an Oscar for that role. So it's crazy hard. <laughs> I already saw it. He has a statue for it. I don't need him to have another.
2: Yeah. I don't think he's going to get it. No. I think, um, I think Dev is a potential threat, though. I think people love... Dev is really good in Lion, too. He's very good. It's emotional, right? It's the whole, like, he's weeping all over the place.
1: But not, Um, like, it's not kind of like really going for it like weeping into the camera like it's restrained in its emotion which i think is the strength but
2: there's a big 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 emotional
1: payoff that he is central to
0: it's also one of the few times that we've seen him you know between you know in slumdog millionaire he's this kind of cute scrappy kid in best exotic marigold hotel movies he's sort of you know cute scrappy kid well like and sort of you know sort of high strung in lion he's Quiet, kind of saturnine, like he's—he's he's, sexy. He's got like a, he's oh, he's got that. yeah, yeah, yeah. He's yeah. got a smolder to him that we haven't yeah. seen from him before, and so it's—it's it's kind of like, you know, oh, look at this, you know, actor kind of going to a new level, a new depth, and people like that, voters yeah. like that. So, I mean,
2: you know. he's uh, again. Like Hidden Figures, he's like a palatable, multicultural alternative to Moonlight for people who feel alienated by that film, alienated by... Do we
1: have evidence that there are that many people who feel alienated by Moonlight, or do no. we just feel like it's just not going to be... I'm just going on voters? sheer
2: prejudice against my <laughs> <White> conception <laughs> of Oscar voters.
1: I mean, they have given us ample evidence to
2: yeah, back so, up. Yeah, so, you know, I mean, like battered spouse syndrome here (laughs)
1: can i can i be
3: like less delicate than mike and say you're saying like well i think you said this before on air actually it's okay to be black and it's okay to be gay it's not okay to be black and gay in terms of being a movie it's like too much did
0: i ever say that? i think i said that yeah okay richard said that it's okay when richard says it
2: yeah i mean you know i think that's the thing moonlight is very very challenging in ways i think are wonderful but it's not it's not a big tent movie right and lion is big tent lion lion you could be a trump voter and watch Lion. And support And reassure like, yourself mothers. that you're not racist by voting for Dev instead of Mahershala. Like I, that's just, that's the world we live in.
1: I think Mahershala though goes a long way toward bridging that gap by being really charming and really good on the circuit. Is, I, Muslim. I'm Muslim, yeah. I mean, I'm...
3: I mean, we're
2: like, let's face that we're living in this time where Muslims are being actively demonized for political points and it's working for like a big chunk of the country. So even though that's not the Oscar voter group for the most part, traditionally, you know, the traditional Oscar voter is an old Jewish guy. And, you know, there's some complicated politics there.
1: Do you really think it's going to cost him an Oscar?
2: I don't know. I hope not, but I just think it's, you know, it's a bold maneuver. I like that he did it. I like that he's owning You're talking what about he the is. sag speech. Yeah. You know, let's not kid ourselves about the country we live in. I feel like, you know. Yeah. Which it. we
1: think Hollywood doesn't represent, but
3: Hollywood it doesn't. But it does. There's a lot. Of I've heard
2: some really cranky, crazy old right wing Oscar voters at screenings and stuff. You yeah. know, they're not all like liberal elite.
3: If recognizability has anything to do with it, like if people didn't actually watch Moonlight, which is entirely possible, then Marshall Ali is not really someone that people know necessarily – Versus like the slumdog kid. <laughs> like you could yeah. call Dev Patel the slumdog kid and you'd be the worst. But, you know, if that's right, if going everyone, on rec- you know,
2: everyone fondly remembers that movie, especially right. Oscar voters, you mm-hmm. know, so there's a more of a lineage there. Yeah. So I don't know. I, I think Dev, you know, that's an in- very interesting BAFTA win that I think is, you know, potentially could be a threat.
1: Okay. But if we're all having to luck in our choices, I'm definitely going Mahershala. 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 Joanna. Mahershala.
2: Maybe I'll say Deb. That'll be, I'll be all upside for me. If he wins, I'll look like a genius from hell that no one wants around.
1: A genius from hell. I'm going to put that on a uh,
2: T-shirt for you.
1: Okay, so let's do Best Supporting Actress, which I I, I mean, I guess Viola Davis is just finally going to win her damn Oscar.
0: A friend of mine who uh, is no stranger to awards campaigns, she was a theater publicist for many years and managed a lot of Tony campaigns, which is a smaller entity, obviously, than the Oscars, but she texted me a couple days ago and she said, do you think that Scott Rudin is kicking himself for not running her in lead when she clearly could have won in lead?
1: Yeah. I've, I thought about that, actually. Yeah. It, it's going to be weird that Viola Davis doesn't... It doesn't have a lead actress statue. Yeah. I think this all the time about, like, major movie stars who win supporting statues. Mm-hmm. And the fact that Viola Davis would be Like the, when Cate
0: Blanchett didn't have a lead for so long. And it was yeah. like, that feels odd.
1: Yeah. Or, like, when you they know? were trying to give Kate Winslet the supporting. And it was like, yeah. no. Yeah. No, but, but I mean...
2: Maybe Viola's kicking herself For going along with it I'm sure Scott Rudin Is very happy to
0: have An Oscar in the bag He doesn't give a shit If it's lead or supporting Does he? I don't, I don't he know, I don't know what Now what the, he doesn't
2: have to go up Against Emma Stone
0: Yeah and worry about I, mean, that. I don't know what the economics Are with that Or you know anything But I don't know It's just this person I know Has worked with Rudin I think, oh, really? I think there's a yeah. competitive Thing there okay. But
2: I mean, the fact
1: that Halle Berry remains the only black woman to win a Best Actress Oscar makes this, I mean, it would be a really compelling case for yeah. Viola to be in there. I mean, it was compelling yeah. when Viola was nominated for The Help and then she lost to Meryl Streep. Yeah. But yeah, it is, it, it definitely could have been really interesting if she'd gone and leave. That
0: said, there's absolutely no way she's going to lose No, Best Supporting Act. She's going to win. We can just book this one. Yeah. Book okay. it. I don't think we need to debate it. I think it's just done.
1: But let's keep talking about <laughs> it. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's a good category. It's a lot of good nominees in there. I mean, Octavia Spencer, I think, is maybe the X factor in that she doesn't have like a big scene. It's not like yeah. a big emotional film. She's maybe the most Oscar-friendly person in that cast, which is yeah. how she got in there over Jehnau Monet and Taraji B. Henson. But, yeah. you know, I'm really happy to see her there.
0: Well, the thing I said to my friend about the Viola Davis thing, it's like, well, the big loser here is Michelle Williams, because yeah. she, yeah. I think she was going to win, she been there. you know, mm-hmm. but then, you know... Once Viola ran in supporting, kind of all the attention focused on her and, you know, people are kind of forgetting that at one point, Michelle Williams really f- felt like the front runner. Yeah.
3: yeah. I mean, on this show, I think we said that before yeah. it was cemented, Because, yeah, they announced like in October that they were running her and supporting. Yeah, you're right. Then it, then it would have been like, in theory, Viola winning lead and then Michelle Williams winning supporting, Marshall Ali winning supporting, and then, you know, Casey. I mean, that, that's a nice... Spread and then land winning everything else. Like that's just a
1: nicer spread,
3: you know. Yeah.
2: I wonder if it would have hurt Casey if Michelle had been a lock for supporting, if that would have opened up that race even more.
1: <sighs> I don't know. I feel like sometimes you like them to come as a pair. It, like but... I was thinking about uh, Matthew McConaughey and Jared Leto kind of operating in like lockstep together and, and lead and supporting. And I think that helps mm-hmm. a lot of the time. That's
2: interesting. Yeah. Was Taraji Hansen's
0: problem that she's basically the lead?
2: Yeah, she was being
1: she wouldn't as have lead. been
0: supporting. Okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. And, and then because lead was so stacked this yeah. year, it's just because yeah. she's great. In, Although it doesn't, don't figures.
1: you imagine like the Meryl Streep spot that Taraji could have had it like had Hidden Figures been out for another couple weeks. Yeah. Like if it was clear and that it was Meryl such had a big had And Meryl hadn't given that speech. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, and Taraji <laughs> gave the speech at the SAGs for Hidden Figures and was great. And so yeah, you, you reverse the yeah. order of those award shows and yeah. you might have mm-hmm. a really different situation yeah. there. Yeah. But yeah, so Viola Davis is going to win her Oscar and then go back to being on How to Get Away with Murder, a show that I can't watch anymore because it's too ridiculous.
0: Yeah, I can't follow it. But, <laughs> no, um, it's but no, insane. This is exciting. And as someone who spent Still spends a lot of his time in Rhode Island. She's a oh, Rhode yeah. Island native of yep. Davis, so that's exciting. Um,
1: and actually, I think she was born in South Carolina, or at least her uh, family's from there. So, so we, we can we both, both, we can have can a both claim yeah. her as our right. own. You know, it's already been done this award season,
3: especially with Octavia in in the loop, but like when Emma and Viola win we could have a nice little help reunion Oscar
1: winner blah blah yeah listen I still defend the help so bring it on Jessica Chastain's next for her Oscar that's how (laughs) the logic of that movie works and then Bryce right oh yeah oh yeah (laughs) you and I can just go have our nosedive podcast and talk about Bryce the whole time
2: former Vanity Fair uh, assistant
1: that's right
2: Bryce Howard.
1: yeah she's in the family that does it for today's Little Gold Men. We'll be back again tomorrow with another episode. And we also have an exciting giveaway to announce. This is our first ever giveaway. This is a brand new territory for all of us. We have a pack of four Blu-rays of Best Picture nominees from this year. Three winners can get a package that includes Moonlight, Manchester by the Sea, Hell or High Water, and Hacksaw Ridge, which is quite a quadruple feature. So to enter, you just have to leave us an iTunes review. iTunes review, as you'll know if you listen to podcasts, really help us get new listeners. And so now we can give you back something for helping us by giving you these Blu-rays. So leave us an iTunes review and include your Twitter handle so that we can then get in touch with you to find out your address and send you your prize if you win. In the meantime, you can find us all at VanityFair.com where there's lots of cool things like the Oscar belt that we talked about, we have our full list of predictions and lots more. And you can follow us all on Twitter at LittleGoldMen. This episode was edited and produced by Alana Milner and thanks to Laura Mayer and Andy Bowers at Panoply.
3: Rx.